0: Friday, 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 Friday. We have a busy morning today. After seven o'clock, at seven o seven, we have an event announcement, and then at seven forty-five, we have an event of our own, so to speak.
1: Given who will be paying us a visit, Premier of Manitoba will be in studio with us this morning. Brett, we will talk about the weather no we won't talk about the weather <laughs> we're going to talk about manitoba hydro find out where this is all going to sort itself out the premier has announced he said yesterday he would be announcing a new board for manitoba hydro by noon today we'll find out if we can get any names out of him on that front this morning and we'll find out exactly why the premier refused to and did not meet with the board that walked out en masse on Wednesday. October 2016,
0: so says the former board chair, Sandy Riley, says that's the last time he was able to speak with the premier on this. And it would seem to me that this is... I realize it's the premier's job to delegate. That's what any manager does. Sure. They delegate everything. You know, if we—if you and I had a problem, we wouldn't meet with the CEO of Chorus Entertainment. We'd meet with our immediate boss. Correct. But uh, with something... As significant as Manitoba Hydro, which is, you know, lots and lots of money involved, to put it plainly. Well, it's you'd arguably think it, the buck would stop with the premier.
1: Right. It's arguably the province's largest asset and its l- largest liability, right? It's both those things. And so it requires extra attention. We don't have meetings on our savings accounts typically with uh, people in the bank world or our financial advisor, but do you meet with someone about your RSP? Yeah, probably. Do you meet with someone face-to-face about a mortgage and and buying a house? Yeah, because that's a large purchase. Depending on the priority is the amount of time you dedicate and whether or not you have email conversation, telephone interaction, or a face-to-face meeting. And I think the assertion, and I have to agree with this, would be that The government is indicating that it's prepared to exercise oversight on crown corporations in an unprecedented fashion, Mm -hmm. which would indicate that there should be some face-to-face discussion about how that's going to proceed. One of the first decisions this government made when it came in was to overrule the MLCC's decision to purchase the old medical arts building and to renovate it and to turn that into their new headquarters. The new government came in and said, whoa, 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 that's not happening. They replaced the board. The board reversed that decision. That building has been subsequently sold, etc. So the government has quite vividly shown us what they're prepared to do in order to have supreme decision-making as it pertains to Crown corporations. So I think they've set the precedent, but to not meet with the board of a corporation that generates the revenue it does and is on the verge of being $25 billion in debt in the next half decade— I think you might want to sit down and, and have a face-to-face on that one.
0: Especially when you look at how much the taxpayers are being asked to pay, to pay for this. Uh, nearly 8% increase for the next however many years. It's uh, it's a boondoggle, to put it diplomatically. I would say that that's about as nice a way as I can put it on the air and keep our broadcast license, so... Yeah, it's frustrating. So we're going to have a a chat with the Premier. We thank him for his access, and we will have that discussion at 7.45 this morning on 680 CJOB. Also, CFL Week continues. Mark's CFL Week continues. And after 8.30, we're going to visit with a couple of Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Darvin Adams and Darius Bowman. Yesterday, you shook hands with the quarterback of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders.
1: Yes, and that uh, there's evidence on Instagram and on Twitter to that effect. Uh, but as I mentioned to Zach Caleros, uh, you haven't played it down for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders yet. So it's okay. <laughs> That's why your hand didn't melt off? That is correct. That's why we didn't have the Wicked Witch of the West melting sort of action happening here in the studio yesterday. Her skin
0: skin was green. Just made that connection. She must be from Saskatchewan.
1: (laughs) Jonathan Jennings and Zach Caleros joined us yesterday, and I got feedback from folks yesterday I'm not even a football fan. I don't really know anything about football. I had to stay in my car to listen to the end of the discussion and the conversation you were having with those two guys. So uh, hopefully you felt the same way about it. Uh, CFL Week uh, presented by Marks in full swing here in Winnipeg, heading into the weekend. So we'll uh, let you know what events are taking place, how you can participate, and uh, all sorts of fun stuff as it uh, surrounds uh, this unprecedented, this very first Marks CFL Week here in Winnipeg.
0: And Lots of great conversations with players in Winnipeg for CFL week. We were heard throughout the day yesterday on 680 CJOB. Our voice of the Bombers, Bob Irving, also caught up with four-time Grey Cup champ, Ricky Ray of the Toronto Argonauts. Here's some of that.
2: Ricky Ray, I know when you came into the league, you were often referred to as Frito Ray. Can I get you to tell that story about what you were doing when the Eskimos called you? <coughs>
3: Yeah, so basically um you know, I, I finished uh finished at Sac State and um was done playing football and um you know, did like every other college grad and, and you know, interviewed for some jobs and I I took a, a management training position with Frito Lay and um, part of the training process was getting in a truck and delivering chips uh to some stores. I think I had a couple grocery stores and a Walmart. Um, you know, on my on my little uh delivery ride and I did that for about a month, and um, <clears throat> I was not enjoying it. Um, and you thought football was over, did you? I did. Yeah. I mean, I was basically done playing football, yep. and um, you know, I just just wasn't really enjoying it. And uh, I remember uh, finishing work one day, and I went golfing. And uh, when I got done golfing, I looked at my cell phone. I had like 15 missed calls from my wife and my agent, and. Uh, <clears throat> My, uh, so I called them back, and they said, the 49ers want to sign me. And uh, it was like a big relief. I mean, obviously, I got a chance to play football again with my hometown team and uh, not, not have to, to drive the truck anymore. And, um, you know, so I got an opportunity to go to 49er uh, training camp, and that kind of gave me a second chance on, on football.
0: How did you wind up in Edmonton then?
3: Yeah, so I uh, went to camp with the 49ers, and then um, basically nothing really happened in so later that spring, I, I played um, Arena 2 for a team in Fresno, and Rick Warman uh, was, uh, was the coach of the, the arena team. And he basically said, um, you know, I'm, I'm coaching this arena team, and, uh, you know, if you come down and you end up playing, uh, I'll try and help you, you know, get on and go somewhere else. And uh, so I went down there, ended up starting, and um, he had me write down some of my goals, and my goal was to, you know, Hopefully, you get a chance to play in the CFL or the NFL. And I remember um, we were going into about our eighth game, about halfway through the year, and he came up to me before the game and he was, play this game like it's your last game. And I thought he was just trying to, you know, pump me up for the game or something. And uh, so we played that game, we finished, and he's like, hey, um, uh, you know, I want to talk to you. Um, I, got, uh, I got you into Edmonton's training camp. Um, If you're interested in going and this was like Saturday night, and he's like, but you got to leave on Monday (laughs) And I was like, yeah, you know, that's awesome. I you know I'd I'd love to to have that opportunity. So, um, you know, just went home packed up all my stuff and flew out on Monday and uh, Was was getting into Edmonton's uh, training camp
0: And a reminder, we will be joined in studio this morning by Blue Bomber receivers Darvin Adams and Adarius Bowman on 680 CJOB. The now
1: former Manitoba Hydro Board chair is breaking his silence after an unprecedented mass exodus of nine members on Wednesday.
0: As Global News reporter Brittany Greenslade tells us, Sandy Riley says the Premier was irresponsible and refused to get involved in important decisions.
4: He's been outspoken on the dismal financial situation at Manitoba Hydro. Now former board chairman Sandy Riley is calling out the premier and his lack of communication.
5: It's wrong. It's just wrong. We have not had an opportunity to speak to the premier on some pretty important issues uh, for a long, long period of time.
4: No communication of any sort in at least a year according to Riley. Global News obtained a copy of the resignation letter where the board says they received no guidance or support on how to tackle the financial challenges and they were prohibited from entering into any agreements with Indigenous groups.
5: I'm mystified as to how we got to this place.
4: The final straw for the board was the premier kiboshing a $70 million agreement with the Manitoba Métis Federation to help key projects like the Manitoba-Minnesota line move
6: forward. What the proposal um, uh, tries to do is uh, something which is without precedent. It is 30 or 40 times larger than any previous um, cash agreement with the Manitoba Métis Federation for a project.
4: And the Premier says the agreement wouldn't be enforceable going forward.
6: They don't know what the project would be. They don't know where it would be. They don't know the nature of it and therefore It would be very difficult to believe such an agreement, if reached, was either
4: fair or enforceable. The Premier says a new board will be in place by noon Friday. Brittany Greenslade, Global News.
0: And Once again, Premier Brian Pallister will be joining us live in studio here at 680 CJOB at 745 this morning. If you would like to read the full resignation letter which was submitted, you can go to globalnews.ca slash winnipeg or cjob.com. The headline from Brittany Greenslade reads, Manitoba Hydro Board's scathing resignation letter calls out, quote, irresponsible government. And the entire thing is there, a few pages. I'll just read you one paragraph here. uh, And it's written to the Honourable Cliff Cullen, Minister of Crown Services. Dear Minister Cullen, We are writing today to advise you of our decision to resign as members of the Manitoba Hydro Electric Board, MHEB, effective immediately. For over a year, we have attempted to meet with the Premier to resolve a number of critical issues related to the finances and governance of Manitoba Hydro, including matters related to Hydro's efforts to further develop its relationship with Indigenous peoples. Despite repeated attempts, we have not been able to have a meaningful dialogue with the government, and we have reached an impasse. We have been informed the government intends to remove the chair and has therefore lost confidence in the board. Accordingly, we have determined that it is necessary to resign. That's just the first paragraph in many
1: paragraphs. If you want to read it, cjob.com. I think including signatures, that letter is five pages long. The premier there acknowledging that this agreement between the MMF and Manitoba Hydro was a unusual one and so when you acknowledge something like that don't unusual circumstances call for breaking with tradition for pro with protocol and say hey maybe we do need to have a meeting on this yeah right seems to me I I,
0: <laughs> I don't know I mean if if I'm a, if I'm a, the boss of a major business organization and there's something that makes me raise an eyebrow I might want to come
1: come in and have a, at least a chat. If I'm the boss and this is above my pay grade and my ability to make this decision and if I'm going into a conversation and prepared to go into an agreement with something with any amount of trepidation that might leave Manitoba Hydro open to negotiating multiple more agreements exactly like this one or close to it. Do I, do I not? Is it not my responsibility to ask for consultation from someone who's ultimately on the hook, whether it be shareholders, ratepayers, or taxpayers in this case, and when it comes to Manitoba Hydro, Manitobans are all three. Brett and Greg with you till 10 o'clock. Most of us have finally adjusted to the time change, I think making it a little less difficult to get out of bed in the morning, although for some of us care, getting up in the morning <laughs> is always a challenge. Yeah. You just had to wait for the for the rest of the setup there, Braun. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Jeff Braun, Kelly Moore, Shanelie Vidal, and, of course, behind the glass, Jerry joining us. We're going to have some ta- coffee and talk about our own wake-up routines, and you can share yours as someone's already done at 780-6868 Picture of an old-fashioned, really annoying alarm. You know, with the old-fashioned bells. Oh. Hello, gentlemen. Old-school, loud metal alarm of death.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, some, well, for us here in the morning, I, I don't, I don't know that. Is it safe to say we're a slightly different than the the average normal person having to wake up at two, three, four in the morning? I know. I, I specifically recall uh, Kelly Moore, you were here. Jeff Braun, you were not. I was filling in for you as a morning anchor, and I think I got here at like 6.30, quarter to 7. My phone, but the only alarm I had was my cell phone, and it froze. It just froze. So while nothing happened, you couldn't even get a hold of me because my yeah. phone was effectively dead. I just remember waking up and seeing daylight so of course I jumped out of bed like Spider Man, and I just in kind of panicked. and thought, "Oh my God!" I couldn't even. I didn't even know what time it was because it was the only functioning clock I had in my apartment. <laughs> so uh, I had. I got to work uh, after having made everyone's life miserable. And the first thing I did after work that day was went out and bought a backup alarm clock. So now I have an alarm clock which I ha- which goes off twice, and then I set my phone alarm to go off like sixteen times from
1: three a.m. <laughs> until six a.m. <laughs> so, until oh. I get up. Yeah. Shelley, how do you do this?
7: Uh, I have six alarms. Six. Four of them on, are on my phone. So, t- uh, like two, two alarms, uh, like two, two kind of alarm clocks. Uh, one is like a sleep alarm that kind of maps my, how I'm sleeping and then finds a gentle time to wake me up. Oh, fancy. Uh, I also set the, the, t- the countdown timer. I have a, rake, a standard uh, clock radio, a physical one. And I have my cat alarm.
1: Oh, yes, they are, might be the most efficient of all of the alarms, the cat alarm, especially if you feed your
2: cat before you leave for work. Yeah. Oh, yes. That's probably a good way to do it, right, Kelly? I would say uh, that would definitely be an effective way to do it, to make sure that you did not doze off after uh, hitting the uh, the buzzer. But I don't know. For me, I guess because uh, there were a couple of occasions uh, very early in my career where I slept in, and there is nothing worse than that in radio at least, uh, so uh, I don't know. I've developed a habit. The alarm goes off. I get out of bed. It's painful some mornings, especially you know if you've had to be up late covering a game the night before or something along that line. But uh, I do have a backup as well, uh, battery alarm, because uh, if the power goes out, uh, then uh, you're in a little a little spot of trouble, as they say. So, uh. Jerry.
1: Uh, I
0: have uh, my phone goes off at the exact same time as my Fitbit, which I wear on my wrist when I'm sleeping, and it just buzzes. So I get the buzzer on my wrist, and I get uh, the alarm going off on my phone. And as soon as I feel the buzzer, I'm awake, and I turn the phone off, and I'm in the shower. Yeah. Have you? Did you try them individually? Like, did you learn that they they work best in tandem? Yeah, I actually tried setting uh, the the Fitbit first and then the alarm, but just having them both go off at the same time, it's like that double jolt. You get get the physical and you get the auditory, and boom, that's what does it for me. What about you, Jeff?
5: I've got four alarms uh, on two... Two separate phones and an alarm clock. And a variety of beeps and buzzes and songs that go off. And I fight it. I fight it every day like I'm fighting (laughs) for my life. This morning, I just counted my head. I hit snooze on a variety of things ten times.
1: (laughs) Ten? (laughs) Over the
5: course of a... You
1: might as well just get up, Over the course
5: of about 20, 25 minutes or so. In summertime, it's easier. It's this tail end of the winter that is just... The most miserable time to try to get out of bed in the morning for some reason. I don't know what wow. it is. I find when it, when the sun comes up nicer and you don't have to get all, you know, with a big coat and boots and stuff to go outside, it's a lot easier to get up and go. My biggest fear is I nap in the afternoons, and in the dead of winter, you get that thing where you wake up from your nap at 4 o'clock. And it's dark out, and it's just a.m. or p.m. a.m. or p.m. a.m. or p.m. <laughs> and I like get dressed and run outside, and there's a bunch of people. Who's like, oh, it's not oh. four in the morning. It's <laughs>
6: four. It's yeah. four. Yeah. In yeah.
7: <laughs> I get that one all the time. Even I, I don't nap in the afternoon. I just, I just go to bed early, and I could sleep for an hour, half an hour, and whatever time it is. Is I wake up and I'm, I'm. It's six o'clock. Oh my god. Oh my god. I, I, I'm late for work. How come nobody called me? And 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 then I realize, wait, no, it's it's I have to check to make sure it's A.M. or P.M. And oh, thank goodness, it's it's still Thursday.
1: <laughs> Brendan bought himself an alarm clock. Oh gosh, it must have been two winters ago. And I'm in bed. I was still doing uh, normal people hours back then. And I'm in bed watching something on TV. And I and I hear him get up, and I hear the bathroom door close, and I hear the shower go on. And so I go in. I go, B man, what's going on? Oh, morning, Dad. It's just uh, it's time. It's getting ready for school, uh, buddy. It's um, it's seven o'clock in the in the PM. <laughs> Oh, darn alarm clock. I haven't figured out how to use it yet. (laughs) So I've never purposely done that, but I've sure done the whole wake-up thing and wonder exactly what time of the day it is, and there's nothing worse. I couldn't agree with you more, That is That is
2: a nasty way to wake up. When I was doing play-by-play, there was one time where I don't know how it happened, but I set my alarm, both of them, for 5 p.m. instead of 5 a.m., Had a flight to Detroit that morning at 7 a.m., woke up at about 7.38. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, you just reminded me I missed a flight like that once, too. Uh, thank, oh. And I to this very day, Maria and Jeff at Northwest Airlines, <laughs> oh. I owe you big time forever. <laughs> that is PTSD
1: for me. I just remembered the time that Jackie and I set up our bedroom in the dining room for a week because we were painting the our bedroom for the week, and I was going to Minneapolis, and I set my alarm clock wrong, and I completely missed a flight yeah. to, I think it was Cincinnati of all places. Oh, my word. Thanks, Kelly. <laughs> I'm reliving that right now.
0: Yeah, I uh, when I was coming back from uh, Houston, when I went down there to see WrestleMania X7, we I, we asked for the the wake-up call. The wake-up call came. I picked up the phone, hung it up, and promptly went back to sleep for I don't know how long. So we missed our <laughs> shuttle. And the hotel we were staying at was was like, I, I swear to God, it was a, a kilometer long. It was the longest hallway it would ever been in. So it took forever like to get dream. to the lobby. Like so we're running dream. to try to catch the shuttle, which we missed. And then we had to wait. And then there was a traffic jam. And then the airport, our terminal, was the last one after it went through five loops. It was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. Did now I'm at, now I, Yeah, we got the flight. <laughs> last call for passengers, Brett <laughs> We got the flight right before takeoff. And then I fell asleep until Minneapolis. <laughs> Right now, we have, as promised, an event announcement. A hilarious evening with Alec Baldwin, master of characters, Alec Baldwin coming to Centennial Concert Hall for a special evening filled with laughter, impersonations, video clips, and political insights. When is this happening, Greg Mackley?
1: He doesn't do any impersonations, Alec Baldwin, does he? I, don't, I, don't know. I, don't, I think there's one, that at least <laughs> one, that comes to mind. This is happening Thursday, November 29th. That's in uh, in this year, 2018. Centennial Concert Hall, doors at 7, show at 8. Tickets go on sale Thursday, March 29th at 10 a.m. Tickets at centennialconcerthall.com, in person at the Centennial Concert Hall box office, or you can call them 204-949-3999. Alec Baldwin, and someone said, he,
3: what,
0: he, what kind of show is Alec Baldwin going to do? But, I mean, the guy's a great storyteller. He's a wonderful performer. He's a tremendous actor. I mean, I just off the top of my head, I can think of countless films that he's been in that I just love. The Hunt for Red October, oh. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Oh. He has one of the most, like, I think, probably in terms of just individual scenes. Yes. Because he has that one scene. Yes. Where he comes in and just... And yells at everyone and then he's gone.
1: It's if you are in sales have ever been in sales or thinking about going into sales, you need to watch Glengarry Glenn Glen Ross and there's one scene in particular when they talk about the the Cadillac and the and the steak knives and I can't even paraphrase it on radio because there are far too many colorful words in the soliloquy <laughs> presented by uh, Alec Baldwin, but it is one of the great Four minutes in cinema, if you ask me. absolutely love Glengarry Glen Ross and uh, that one scene in particular on a very rainy night.
0: Charles Adler, when I was his technical producer, wanted to play that scene on the air. It took me like 45 minutes to edit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was going to say, Jerry, you should grab that. Never mind. There's no sense. There's absolutely zero sense. By the way, uh, tickets are $85, including GST, $100, 125 160 And there's also a VIP ticket, Brett. Uh, it includes a meet and greet with Alec Baldwin, uh, $485. There are service charges, reserve seating, and it's an all-ages show. So,
0: Alec Baldwin coming to Winnipeg. That's Kinda pretty cool. cool. Yeah.
1: The province is calling it a Manitoba first. Oh, great. I love those made-in-Manitoba solutions that nobody's doing anywhere else. Anyway, I digress.
0: <laughs> Maybe it's a plan with spirited energy. The construction of a roundabout. On, that's good. Yeah, that's not really fair. That's so, yes, whatever. Uh, it still makes me laugh. The construction of a roundabout on a major highway. Hmm. Pardon? It would go up at the intersection of Highway 2 and Highway 3 near Oak Bluff on the southwest outskirts of the city where 10,000 cars pass through every single day. As Global News reporter Amber McGookin explains, if the roundabout works, they'll no longer have to come to a stop.
8: Two stop signs control thousands of cars and semis at the intersection of Highways 2 and 3. But the province is moving quickly to replace the intersection New York Bluff with a roundabout.
4: Clearly, there is an educational component to this. These are new to to Winnipeg. However, uh, ladies and gentlemen, they've had these around the world for generations. Uh, We have to learn how to use them. We have to learn how to use them safely.
8: Right now, the two highways intersect where speeds drop from 100 kilometers an hour down to zero. The province says the roundabout will keep traffic moving at 10 to 15 kilometers an hour at the dangerous intersection.
5: It takes away those striking uh, high-speed collisions that can happen, the 90-degree angle uh, T-bone type of um, uh, collisions. But uh,
8: nearby residents have concerns. The
5: speed and and just how practical it is to have a roundabout with the amount of commercial traffic that goes through that intersection.
8: And semi-drivers aren't big on the proposed change.
2: Lights or stop sign is good, but roundabout is very difficult because people have no knowledge of how to drive on the round.
8: Construction is expected to start this summer and be completed in the fall. Amber McGookin, Global News. What do
1: you think of this? I didn't mean to sound cynical because I think roundabouts are amazing. They installed one in my neighbourhood three summers ago, too, for sure. And I know a lot of my neighbours and a lot of people in our neighbourhood were up in arms. Why are they putting that in? uh, like it, not
0: a traffic calming circle,
1: a roundabout, an actual roundabout, okay. and it works amazingly well. It replaced a, a three-way stop, okay, which would back up in particular northbound on Gateway on uh, like every day at rush hour for sometimes to the point where you could not make a left-hand turn from eastbound Chief Peguis Trail onto northbound Gateway because that lane. The single lane was full of people trying to get through the intersection at Sun Valley Drive and Gateway. Wow. And so now with that roundabout, that's never, ever an issue. There's a constant flow of traffic. People have gotten much better on the roundabouts. The one thing that they don't do that kind of irks me is they don't signal their intention to leave the roundabout. So it forces you to wait a little bit longer than you would need to to see if are you leaving the roundabout now or are you coming all the way around to leave in the next exit and and uh, departure point. And if people just signal your intention, yeah, I'm going to leave, and then you can kind of gauge it. If you don't signal at all, i got to wait for you and make sure that you're not coming all the way around. Uh, other than that, I think we're more or less catching on to them.
0: Yeah, and I, yeah. I did, the only time I've used this particular intersection, a couple of times I used it in the, the fall, actually, was when I was Either going to or coming back from Bridges Golf Course out in Starbuck, and going out was no problem because you just hang a right and away you go. But coming back,
1: oh, that two and three intersection yeah. now,
0: because yeah. then you gotta then you have to cross the highway and turn left if you're coming back from it. And I would I usually be coming back in rush hour, so that was a little bit dicey. Not. The the scariest thing I've ever faced, but I kind of like this idea for my purposes, but we did hear that truck driver saying this is kind of... I don't know if this is going to work for us. So it's interesting. We'll have to see how it plays out.
1: Well, and the other part of that uh, equation is it's not a 90-degree intersection, if I'm remembering correctly. It's angled, right? When you come off a two where it meets three, you're you you're not perpendicular Correct. to three, right? You're already on an angle. You're at a disadvantage, and you've, you've got blind spots that are affecting your judgment and as to whether or not it's safe to make that left turn. So I, I think this has a chance of working.
0: We are joined live in studio by the Premier of Manitoba, Brian Pallister. Mr. Pallister, good morning to you, sir. Good morning to you, man. So thank you, first of all, for being here. I mean, it's a busy week, so we just want to cut right to the chase. The entire board of Manitoba Hydro resigned this week. Unprecedented situation for this province. We've never seen anything like it. But beyond the resignations is this layer of questions about your leadership. Chairperson of the board, Sanford Riley, has said you have not met with him since the fall of 2016. Now, instead of a private meeting, we have this very public war of words and an assertion that you refuse to meet with the board. According to Sandy Riley, this proposal between Hydro and the Manitoba Métis Federation was not a copy and paste of other agreements with other Indigenous groups. So why not meet with this board comprised of respected individuals, a board handpicked by you to determine its acceptability?
6: Great questions, and they need an answer, and here is why I'm here this morning. First of all, there's a public utilities board process underway. Uh, Hydro has applied for the largest rate increases in its, well, history of hydro, as you know, and that's a major concern to all of us. Uh, And, of course, me meeting with hydro in the middle of that process would call into question the independence of that decision-making process, and that is not on. We've had more contact with Mr. Riley and the Board of Manitoba Hydro than any of our close to 200 boards, agencies and commissions over the first two years we've been in government. So it's not an issue of uh, being in contact, being available. It is an issue, however, of a proposal that came forward initially that we should uh, cut a check for $2 billion to Manitoba Hydro to solve their debt problem. That was the first proposal that came out. And secondly, then this one you've been reporting on about uh, paying uh, the Manitoba Métis Federation not to complain um, on the Manitoba-Minnesota transmission line, and then potentially not to complain on other projects going forward, which is uh, $70 million, close to $70 million proposal. Uh, that was brought forward, um, in the, I believe, uh, later last year. We've been researching that. And that is really the issue that I think uh, has has provoked this. Sorry,
1: Mr. Premier, but our research would indicate that that proposal was on the table before the beginning of this current round of conversations with the Public Utilities Board. Mm. And so you could have had interaction with the board, (laughs) in the opinion of Sanford Riley, and I would suggest as the CEO of the province, Manitoba Hydro fits one of two categories, or maybe both, Mm. your biggest asset Mm. or your largest liability. And I understand there are 200 or So boards that have some level of interaction with the province, wouldn't it behoove you to to use a terminology um, to meet with the board of Manitoba Hydro, which is really your 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 largest boondoggle, as uh, my -hmm. colleague (laughs) suggested. sad, isn't
6: it? You know, the NDP overbuilt the thing. And we know that we knew that at the time and we know it now. And now we've got billions of dollars of debt out of control decisions made, uh, like the Bipole line, $4.5 billion, So this is
1: clearly not just another file. This is a huge issue.
6: No, but exactly. And that's, uh, you know, we have a team of people in government. They have responsibilities. I have uh, ministers and senior staff that have been in regular contact, uh, not only with Mr. Riley, but with other boards. You know, we're talking about the legalization of cannabis right now. This is not a small issue either. I'd say uh, to you fellows that... Uh, you know, uh, I, I've i been uh, criticized for being too hands-on and not hands-on enough in the same sentence, right? I have a team That's of fair. people. I have a minister who uh, is responsible for this file and who has done a really good job of making sure that we're uh, addressing the issues that matter. And I will say this, this proposal that came forward is without precedent, okay? The largest compensation ever paid the Manitoba Métis Federation on a hydro project in the past was $2 million for the Wasquatam Dam. Now we're getting a proposal thrown to us for $70 million that tries to ostensibly tell us that this will be easier going forward uh, because the Métis Federation is going to be paid not to complain. Now... This so is so you this would is call under, it out of,
1: it's, uh, right. It's out of the ordinary. Not to,
6: paid not to complain, so that's why it required research to find out well, well where yeah. did this proposal come from? How does it stack up against what other utilities are doing, Mr. Does premier? Does this make sense? Will this save us money? And what would be the Pe- impact? Mr. Sorry, this is a big deal. This is a big deal what effect does this have on the outlet construction on the north end of Lake Manitoba? Okay, it's not just about hydro. I'm not the okay, premier we, for just hydro. I'm the premier for you, the you whole are the pr- province you are the premier, of Manitoba.
0: You are the premier of Manitoba, though. And you said you've got a team of ministers. I want to play a clip for you here of Sanford Riley, who says he had to meet with you according to your team.
5: And I tried on many occasions to get a meeting with the premier to discuss it, because it was made clear to me in conversations I had with the minister and with the people who, w- who reported to the premier in his office, that it was a matter that was, and I will use the exact words that one of the senior bureaucrats told me, it's above my pay grade. It was something that had to be dealt with by the premier, and we could never get a meeting to discuss it with him. Great. So if
6: your own team is saying it's... Makes It makes my point for me right there. Okay. How so? Because what he's talking about there is a proposal to pay the Manitoba Métis Federation $70 million. That's the decision that was before cabinet, after we had our research done, and we made a decision to say no, and we made a decision which Mr. Riley does not like or agree with. Look, guys, I have to... Uh, consider the cost consequences for ratepayers of Manitoba Hydro, and I have to consider the cost consequences for you and all the other taxpayers of the province. If we pay Dave Chartrand seventy million dollars for that project, that's two million per kilometer. With respect, the impact you haven't answered it? our what question. I am answering it. What you, is no, the but impact? we want to know why won't you meet with? I am Riley. answering the question you asked me. Because the question you should be asking me, by the way, is what's the impact on the rest of the people of the province of Manitoba? But people want the to know outlet, why you wouldn't take that meeting. Look, it's unprecedented, okay? Everything's
1: unprecedented in this situation, and so why wouldn't you break with normal decorum? Well, I've, I've, and, uh, since uh, the uh, fall uh, of
6: 2016. I'll repeat, I'll repeat my answers to you fellows, okay? Contact with Manitoba Hydro and its board, greater than every one of the other boards with the possible exception of liquor and lotteries, where we've been dealing with the legalization of cannabis, okay? Secondly, my ministers have responsibilities. My responsibilities are international, national, meeting with premiers, governors, etc. I do those, I focus on those, I respect my ministers. My ministers report to me. This above the pay grade issue is around a unique proposal to pay $70 million to a group so they won't exercise their rights in future this would be like paying you for your daughter's right to vote I mean, I'm sure are clear on all okay, this. Okay, well, look, then understand that the proposal being unprecedented required research and time to deal with. But I and think, understand I think that we have suggest, dealt with that
1: I think people suggest that it would also require an unprecedented meeting, one that would be outside of what you're clearly
6: establishing as your 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 no go zone. Two points. I'll repeat them again. First of all, well, we don't need to repeat. We've no, only well, been well, on for five, five the, minutes. You've repeated the question, though. but you so, haven't answered it, Mr. Premier. Yes, this I, I have. have. I've told. Okay, so for, it was
1: unnecessary for for you to. meet meet with Sanford Riley. Is that what you're saying? I'm it's so, unnecessary for you to meet with him.
6: I'm saying that we have a proposal before us that's without precedent that we're researching. We have researched it and said no. And you've said Mr. no, Riley-
1: and you even said yesterday, henceforth, you will not, you will not approve any of these and no Crown Corporation is allowed to approve any of these agreements without cabinet or your no, oversight. We, fair?
6: Yeah, I think that's fair, yeah. Okay. Because, because what happened with BiPol was that wasn't the case, right? So it was rubber stamped four and a half billion dollars later we now all have to pay for that. So, so what do you, we're do you want ultimate
1: a- oversight or not? Because it sounds like that you want oversight in this particular situation but you're unprepared to get your your hands dirty and sit down roll up your sleeves with the board and get down to brass taxes uh, what, with
6: them. Uh, yeah. You, you know, you guys have just met me. I don't have a reputation for doing anything but rolling up my sleeves. I know you don't. Yeah, so, why, so, that's
1: why I'm, I'm, it well, dumbfounds me that you wouldn't do it in this case. Well, because,
6: because again, and I have to repeat, because you've raised the question a couple of times, and I think it's fair to repeat this, that there is a PUB process underway right now. An application from hydro for the biggest rate increases in the history of hydro. And if I meet with... Sandy Riley, in the middle of that, and this is what we've explained to the board and explained to Mr. Riley some time ago, I'll be accused of meddling in that process. Other members of the media will be on me right away saying I was trying to influence the process. So we had already proposed to meet with Mr. Riley after the PUB makes its decision because that would be the right time to do that. This this um, uh, issue stems from a desire to pay $70 million dollars to a group to sell their future complaints on projects they don't even know what they are yet. Guys, this is without precedent. And so stalling that and researching it was the right thing to do. If we had let that go ahead, right now you'd owe not only $70 million more, but how much would we have to pay David Chartrand? to not protest about the outlet on Lake Manitoba. You Premier see Premier Brian saying?
0: Pallister, we got to wrap it up you here. You got gotcha, you, guys. We do thank you for the time. We, we, we okay. appreciate the access and a pleasure to meet you. The only time I've ever bumped into you was on Wellington Crescent. You were jogging past me in your full running regalia, and I thought that's a serious runner right well, there. Well, I'm
6: looking forward to getting back to running, guys. I'm recovering from this uh, little hiking mishap here, but uh, nobody to blame but myself on that one. Anyway, Seven. thanks for the time, and uh, great to see you.
8: One, two, three...
6: It's time now for Three
0: Things with Shanley Vidal, our content producer, and it's three things to look forward to this weekend. Hey, Shanley.
7: Good morning, Brett. Good morning, Greg. I know Good this
0: morning, first Shanley. one, you're stoked. You've gotten written on the whiteboard out in the newsroom. You like gardening.
7: I I, I- I like gardening. I'm not very good at it, actually. I like golf and I, I suck at it. <laughs> but I like trying, and I like it because just to see things grow, it makes me think of spring. And I also like buying things that other people have grown because they do a much better job than I can. And so this weekend, you're going to have the opportunity at get some gardening inspiration because the Manitoba Orchid Society is having its spring show and sale. That's this weekend at the Assiniboine Park Conservatory. Now, the event includes an American Orchid's society judge show. So that's when people who grow their fancy orchids take them and have them judged by professionals to see who has the best one. And there's, But there's also going to be a wide variety of orchids, orchid species, hybrids for sale and supplies as well from vendors as well. Important to note, this could be one of your last chances to see the Assiniboine Park Conservatories. It's going to shut down for good on April 2nd. Because uh, we are going to, down the road, we are going to get those diversity gardens. That's
1: right. I'm surprised that they're closing them before the new gardens open. I figured they would have been moving all those those plants over the new diversity garden. So this uh, kind of took me by surprise yeah. when I learned of yeah. this. Yeah, so
7: it is one of your last chances to see to see the conservatory. April 2nd is when it closes. And if you do want to go to the orchid show on sale, admission will cost you 7 bucks. Children under 14 are free and it takes place 9 a.m. to four th- 4.30 p.m. today until Sunday.
1: Good luck getting anyone under 14 to come along willingly <laughs> to the orchid show. Just saying, I'm, sounds like a great time, however. <laughs> I do like orchids. It will cost you, if you're a parent, it'll cost you a ton of money to bribe your kids to come with you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That'll make up for that so the event being free. Exactly. will make up for that. I, I actually
7: have a funny story about an orchid. My True boy economics. my boyfriend bought this uh, really nice orchid. I don't know if he bought it from superstore or something and it was so beautiful and he's like, "Look, I I bought an orchid. Look how nice it is." And I'm like, "You do realize that's fake. You do realize that's a fake plant. You know what's real? No, that that no that that's fake day one. That's fake." <laughs>
1: Yeah. Beautiful. I've <laughs> big Still beautiful.
7: All Doesn't around die. my house,
1: they Fate never so. die. What's <laughs> so happening tomorrow?
7: Tomorrow night, lights around the world are going to be going dim. So it's not a power outage.
1: Thank goodness for that.
7: But uh, it's, we're going to instead, people are going to be choosing to switch off electricity in solidarity of Earth Hour. Right. So going dark is a symbolic way to make a statement about climate change. The World Wildlife Federation and other organizations are the ones behind this movement. It's going to take place from 8.30 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. local time, wherever you are. And you can celebrate Earth Hour in any way you like. So on the Earth Hour website, it suggested you could keep it simple, maybe hosting a candlelit dinner, going stargazing, or just switching off your lights and chilling out for an hour. If you want to do something bigger, you could screen a movie or host an Earth Hour party. I know there is one local restaurant who's actually going to be having a candlelit dinner for Earth Hour. Ooh.
0: Ooh. You can have a candlelit dinner while you're drinking milk out of a glass bottle. As the milkman makes his return, right? <laughs>
1: that is correct. People,
0: the, the glass bottle of milk is coming back now that people are freaking out about
1: plastic Particularly bombs. in Great Britain. Uh, that warmed my heart when I saw that article online yesterday.
7: Bring and back pe- the milkman, baby. And, and people do say it does actually taste better in the glass bottle.
1: I couldn't agree more, Chanelie Vidal. Uh, A huge week here in Winnipeg. Mark CFL Week full swing until Sunday. I know Brett and I are going to be down at RBC Convention Center from five until eight this evening. Uh, why don't you tell folks what's on tap down there?
7: So many, so many uh, activities. Of course, we have Fan Fest happening at the RBC Convention Center. There's going to be autograph sessions, live performances, mascots. That's that's gonna that's gonna be a big highlight. I saw that and I was so excited. But uh, something I really want to point out that's really neat and, of course, very dear to my heart. Yes, Yes. of course! There is an opportunity for you to learn about becoming a football official. Now, it is a very important job because you can't run a game without skilled officials, and the Canadian Football League, in conjunction with the Manitoba Football Officials Association, are hosting a free Level 1 official certification clinic. That's tomorrow at 1pm. It's going to be four hours long, but you're going to learn the general concepts of officiating as well as the basics of the sideline position.
1: That's pretty cool.
7: It's it's super cool. And if you want to see more information or the full list for FanFest and CFL Week, you just go to MarksCFLWeek.ca. And, of course, uh, we're st- we're in CFL Week the- theme today, I think. Full-fledged, full-on. fledged full-on. Full fledged, full on. We're going to be having a couple of bombers in studio after 8.30.
1: Darvin Adams and a Darius Bowman will join. Brett and myself for a half hour of uh, conversation uh, we haven't decided if we're going to give them a Canadian geography quiz yet, something Jonathan Jennings said in our conversation yesterday Oh we absolutely should where he said, I don't think I can name all the provinces of Canada so Darwin Adams and Darius Bowman if you're listening right now you might want to crack open a geography book
7: <laughs> I, I like that and you don't. Know, you can actually meet uh, a, a Darius Bowman because he's going to be signing autographs at FanFest tonight. That's right. Right
0: on Okay, well, we'll have that chat after 8.30. We have Shanalee Vidal in every day after the 8 o'clock news for three things. Thank you very much,
1: Shanalee. Mark CFL week is in full effect. It's on now until Sunday. On Tuesday, we had the Grey Cup and CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosian studio. Yesterday, we had quarterback Zach Caleros of... Uh, the team to the West, and uh, Jonathan, <laughs> can't even Jonathan Jennings of the BC Lions. It's like, uh, I'm like Fonzie was sorry. Do you remember when Fonzie tried to say he was sorry about something? Couldn't mm. say sorry. Today we're joined in studio by a couple of players from the hometown Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They're going to be a double threat on the receiving core, Darvin Adams and Adarius Bowman, who makes his uh, return to Winnipeg after seven seasons, Adarius. Seven seasons. Great to, to have you back. back.
9: Oh, so glad to be back.
1: You know, uh, and, and Darvin, great to see that you're healthy and that uh, you're all primed and ready for 2018. No lingering effects from your uh, season-ending uh, injury last year?
10: <laughs> no, I'm good. You know, 100% ready to play.
1: Well, great to see you, fellas. Thanks for taking some time. We know it's been a crazy few days for you. Just talk about, if you don't mind, starting with uh, you, Adarius, this whole field of coming back to winnipeg because when i mentioned it to you uh five minutes ago <laughs> it was it was a genuine yeah. expression on your face oh it's so good to be back yes. Yes. It, it,
9: that, that seems to be your overall feeling i 100 agree with that uh definitely not a bad feeling so that's a great thing even making the decision man uh familiar faces familiar places uh, i'm one of those guys uh you get a better performance out of me when i'm in my so-called comfort zone and uh, uh winnipeg's definitely started that off for me as a pro and uh Like I say, it's weird to to be back. Like I was telling you earlier, I was at the groundbreaking, and that seemed like the start of a great career, and then I had to make a switch. I remember Polo Park Stadium, and uh, now to be back and see the excitement in the city and and how it's grown so much, uh, new development on the outside. So uh, I'm really, really excited about the changing. So it's not
0: so much about uh, that you were uncomfortable in Edmonton. It's just nice to come back to where you figured that it started out for you then.
9: Oh, yes, oh, yes. I'm one of those guys that uh, believes life put you in the right places. At times, you know, and so uh, for Edmonton, uh, no hard feelings. Edmonton was a great place. You know, That's my daughter will be an Edmontonian. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. No, but no, it's, it's a great thing. <laughs> my daughter will be born here in Canada. But uh, like I say, no hard feelings. But it is good to to return. For me, uh, on a personal note, this was the place where I feel like I left on an uncomfortable note, by choice of myself, you know, and so for me, it's, it's good to be able to come back and kind of complete that piece, you know, as a pro.
1: We were both impressed that uh, you remembered our old location at 934, and so <laughs> yeah, you 40 are to. a Winnipegger. <laughs> you, you go, on the corner. When you start to reminiscing to. about things that used to be, didn't this used to be, yeah. here, you know, that uh, that uh, you're kind of a, a Winnipegger at heart. Darvin, how, yeah. how are you accustomed? I know I interviewed you last year after practice, and uh, your love affair really with the fans, you, you love mm-hmm. the fans here in Winnipeg not to put Put words in your mouth. But but talk about how that relationship with Winnipeg's grown for you in and uh, really the, the couple of years you've been here.
10: Well, actually, for me, you know, it's, it's just been great. And uh, especially not only just for the fans, you know, starting off, like even for the coaching staff, just giving me a chance here. And that just, you know, evolved into me loving the game, me playing more, you know, with the chance that, that they was giving me. And, uh, you know, once you're playing – stuff like that you really get a chance and people get to see you you get noticed a little bit and I mean I think the fans just took place in that and it was real good you know it's electric when you hit that stadium oh, yeah.
0: When you look at uh, last year, is uh, the Toronto Argonauts win the Grey Cup last year, right? But it was the West who dominated all year. So even though it wasn't the Bombers who were there, when you see the East come out and win the title, even though the West kind of laid the boots to the East all year long, mm-hmm. is there sort of a is there like you want do you want to get redemption not just for the for Winnipeg but for the West as well this season?
10: Uh. Um, you you know us in Winnipeg. You know we're not we're not too much worried about everybody else. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, we just try to focus on ourselves and try to you know make things right for us. And plus the city. You know, I know the city is loving you know the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So what we try to do is just produce for our city and produce for the the guys in the locker room. And I mean it was you know it was kind of that, but that goes to tell you about the CFL and it's a tough I mean a tough you know league. Yes. And you can be down now and at the end of the season you can be up <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. so it's it's different and you got to come to play every week
0: you got a really deep voice, by the way. After football is done, are you going to be an R and B singer, perhaps
10: like uh, Barry White? As, as long as you sing, as long as you sign me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Macklin McGarry Records, featuring Darwin Adams, his premier release. Uh, you know, uh, you mentioned uh, the love of the game, Darvin, and you see in mm. the United States uh, and the NFL and your your counterparts that play the same position that work. Uh, you work just as hard as they do, week after week. Uh, is it difficult? Uh, to, you know, realize that there are some gentlemen that are maybe just, you know, I don't know, fraction faster or just in the right place at the right time. They're making, you know, millions of dollars playing the same game. And does it drive you? Just talk about that dichotomy, that difference between the Canadian League and the and the NFL.
10: Uh you going to try to give me the token son
9: yeah i you talk about
10: it <laughs> no but uh i don't know I, mean, I got a lot of friends in the nfl and stuff like that that i grew up with especially like from college and stuff like that so uh the the difference you know to me it's not a difference you know because i love the game and uh i mean it's is just showing the passion here i mean wherever it is you know just the opportunity and the chance to play right. you know so it's not like I'm so much dwelling on, you know, the NFL and the see the difference. You know what I mean? And uh, try to just do and, and more and focus more on just, you know, the situations that I'm in. Like Des was saying, like I mean, you put in the right place at the right time. You know, yeah. so well I, me where I'm from, how growing up for me is just, you know, you got to play the cards as you're dealt. Mm. You know, so it's you got to go with it. You know, I got kids, so.
9: How many yeah, kids I mean, have you got?
10: I got three little girls, you know. Oh well, congrats uh,
9: and Darius, you're your dad too, right? Yeah, I'm uh, April fourth, my my Very first, first daughter to be here. Yeah. Congratulations. So I, hope I hope she's not showing up now. Yeah, my wife will be mad. But uh yeah, this is my first <laughs>
1: So do you, do you leave your, your kids at home? Do they come to Winnipeg with you, Darvin? What's that like?
10: Uh yeah, they could they stay home, but they have came they have came ca- caught a couple games and stuff like that. So uh you know. Where is home for you? Mississippi. Ken, actually it's, is the city. Southern
9: boys. Chattanooga, Tennessee, for me. And you yeah. went to Auburn.
10: Auburn, that which is in Alabama.
0: Yep. Okay, and uh, so
10: I guess we gotta. We asked the guys yesterday
0: about the tournament. Uh, you both have some skin in this yeah. game. You're an Auburn alum. They made it to the second round. Did you watch the the, the second round game where they unfortunately came up just a bit short to uh, to Clemson? Uh actually, I actually, mean, got killed by Clemson. <laughs> 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 yeah, hey, you <laughs> you could have kept that part.
10: You kept that part. <laughs> <laughs>
1: talk about that rivalry. We talked, we spoke a little bit uh, about it with Zach and uh, Jonathan yesterday. That kind of that we thing when it comes to U.S. college. I think Canadians marvel at the idea about the popularity of college sports yeah. in America and how you know once a Tar Heel, always a Tar yeah, Heel. Yeah, yeah. But Adarius, yeah. uh, how do you split? Those uh, allegiances, because of course you you started with the uh, Tar Heels and then Fitness went to OSU, so so you pick and choose uh, uh, which one. You got tattoos of both. Yeah. How does that work?
9: <laughs> I think uh, it's more the experience. You can't uh, you can't have one without the other. But uh, I, I definitely agree with you. Like uh, I think it refers back to the question y'all kind of asked Darwin uh, not too long ago about the whole NFL and CFL thing. I I feel this kind of falls in that same area. uh I, it's just my opinion. I think it's more of like an economic and geographic thing in the sense of like, I know for us, like my nephew's been playing football since like age two. You know, it kind of start us real early. Like American sports are huge. You know what I mean? There's a lot more people, you know, now that I've been in Canada for a while, I used to always ask that question. Like when it comes to a competition level from NFL to CFL, I agree with Darwin. It's the same. It's, it's no. It's no change. I've seen guys uh, from the NFL come here, and it, it really wasn't a great fit for them, you know. Mm-hmm. But you'll see them go right back down to the NFL and, and sign a nice deal and, and play years, and then vice versa for one of us. You know, one of us will kind of fit better here. For my, for myself, it's been a better, uh, uh, better environment for me. But I think the biggest thing is just like I say, it's, it's so many more people in the U.S., you know, and so. But I know for me, coming in in 08, I've seen the CFL change. You know, I've seen contracts change. You know, we've seen better things happen with the league, new stadiums, uh, Adidas contracts. You know, so so for me, will it ever get to the NFL scale? I can't say unless we cut that border off and let some of those people. It's like a lot more people in the U.S., you know, so uh, I think that's the biggest thing. But the competition is the same. But uh, uh, those U.S. uh, college rivals, uh, it's almost embedded in you. Like me, Bear from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, my family was very disappointed when I went to Carolina. Oh, like I One bet. of my aunties was crying because everybody figured I would go to Tennessee.
1: Because well, I'm from
9: Tennessee. And I, so, you know
1: they have a declaration day, and I yeah. saw
9: a, a clip. A guy walked out. His uh, mom yeah, walked he yeah. went to Florida.
1: I, I couldn't believe
9: yeah. it. What
6: happened? Uh, a <laughs> guy was
9: at a, a signing day, mm-hmm. and uh, so he had his three choices. I think it was like Tennessee, Alabama, or Florida. His yeah. mom had like an Alabama sweatshirt mm-hmm. on, <laughs> and he ended up, ch- he's on national TV. He chose Florida. The mom got up from the table and walked out. <laughs> and there were hundreds of people yeah. in the school yeah, yeah. gym. But no, that's why I was saying it's like, almost embedded in us. Like, you're born into it, you know. And, and I remember when I chose North Carolina, it was for personal reasons. You know, I, I'm a fan of Michael Jordan. So as a kid, you, you start getting to college and getting scholarships. You're like, oh, my goodness. Someone I'm, from Chapel Hill's yeah, I'm calling? Good. I'm, I'm going, going there. You know, but uh, <laughs> like I say, my aunties, my city, my high school coaches, they all grew up with. Actually, for us, it's Tennessee or Georgia. That's how our state kind of go. Being from Chattanooga, we're <laughs> right on the line. On the border, right? So the fact that uh, I didn't go to neither, uh, at one point in my life, I think, they didn't turn their back on me. I love my city, but I did, I think I did disappoint people. You know, uh, I remember when I came out, Philip Foreman, like the Tennessee Vols actually put an article out saying how do you let a local guy get out the state? But it, I, I didn't really give them an option. It was like, I just straight made my toes. But people was mad about that.
1: Persona non grata. Yep. And Chad, you're going to We Darius
9: Bowman, Darvin Adams of your Winnipeg Blue Bombers in studio
1: with us. We're having a really good time. And Darius says <laughs> uh, the, w- w- the weather forecast is just... Just windy. Just windy. <laughs> He's right. It's going to yeah, be pretty windy tomorrow. Just windy. I, uh, I, I drove to uh, North Carolina hey. once upon a time in my 1972 MGB convertible, if you can Ooh. imagine that. Sounds crossing fast. the uh, <laughs> Indiana-Kentucky border. Uh, Came across a gentleman who was driving a semi-trailer. It had broken down on the side of the road. Long story short, offered him a ride. Mm. He was black. Yes. He sat in the passenger seat. We had a great chat. Yes. We got into Louisville. And I said, where do you need to get to? And he says, Greg, where you and I can be seen together and where I need to go are two different things. And so I had to drop him off downtown. Uh Coming from Mississippi, coming from Tennessee. Tennessee. I mean, that's the Mason-Dixon line. You're you're in the South. Tell us about the difference of life in Canada versus life in the U.S. and has that had an effect on your affinity Race relations has that had an effect for your your love of Canada?
9: Uh, I go quick. I try Adiris? to be, I'll be quick. I'll be quick. I try to be quick with this. Uh, we could do another show and talk for days on this, but uh, I will have Let's to do say. That. I will have yes. I'm here now too. Let's do that. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will have to say yes to the answer. It does make a difference. And then I, it will, it, I'm I'm kind of going to yes again to what like Canada was a better fit for me. Uh, to uh, relate to your story, they consider me as African-American, black, whatever term you want to use, it's okay. But uh, it's it's sad sometimes, but it is what it is. You know, uh, we was, well, my country I'm from. And it's crazy how we're so close to each other, but uh, I see why they got that border right there. We're so different than each other. But I can say uh, Canada have definitely allowed me being a young African American man from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Accept my apologies for the uh, for the terminology, N- man. Apology accepted. You know, I hate that it's even it even causes that tension because to me it's a very like I didn't get to choose. You know, I did not have a choice of like what color my skin would come out. None of us do, and so. But it's at times it's kind of sad to know as I became an adult what it really is. You know, as a kid you just you just kind of mm. go with it. You told you told to do this. Yeah. You told to not travel in those areas. You're told <laughs> to to not Mixed with this kind for me, I, I, and it's sad, you know, for me, I didn't really interact with Caucasian or white people Mm -hmm. until I got to high school. And I remember getting this scholarship to a Catholic high school and I had a real hard time. I was wanting to leave, you know, the first year. And my mom's like, you know, it's a better opportunity. But my thing was, I had never interacted with them and I don't, they was now that I'm here today, I, I love everybody. They was normal people, but it was like the perception we're, were shown is almost like thrown on us, and and that's the part that I say is sad, you know. And for me, coming to Canada, uh, I'm the, I smile the way I do now because I've seen a, a whole different perspective of my country. You know, I know some people say it's hard to see what you in when you're like so close, but sometimes you kind of zoom out a little mm-hmm. bit, you can see better. Canada zoomed me out from America. Uh, Canada uh, got a lot more culture, you know what I mean? Canada, yeah, I, I've actually ran across some people that say uh, Canada has this dose of uh, racism or, or, or growth that it's had, but still for me, it was a better fit because I could see the culture, like, right away, you know? Canada was the first time that I, I seen, like, like, they call us African-Americans, but Canada got real Africans. Like, there's real Africans up here. Like, for me, I can't trace back just, I'm pretty sure we're all from that African region if we keep going back. But for me, none of my ancestors that I've heard back can track back to Africa. They'll all be in America, well, what we know of America today. Yeah. But uh, Canada was the first place I would see, like, a real African with, like, a true Asian lady, you know? And it's just like, they're just walking down the street smiling and, like, having kids behind them. And where I came from, I would look at that and be like, what? this is strange, <laughs> you know? But in Canada, you know, you... It's, it's everyday life, you know, and so uh, for me, I would have to say uh, Canada was the best choice. You know, I'm one of those guys that's committed to being here with my wife, even after ball. you know, we we both committed like this is where we want to start our life for those reasons. You know, it's a lot more open country, you know, that's a easier way to put it, being open and being closed minded about some things.
0: We're just going to ask our producer, Jerry, to make some room for Darvin, if that that's okay. Yeah, we want to give bad. Darvin a... Hey, no, <laughs> no hey, great. We it's yeah, man. We really no. got to have yeah. you guys back yeah. to, to keep talking Please. about this. But what about for you, uh, where you grew up in Mississippi,
10: what's the difference like for you being now in Canada? Uh, I'm sort of like, you know, like there's I mean, uh, me from Mississippi, you know, right? Miss- everybody thinks, like, even when I went to college, everybody's like, yo even though we in Alabama, you know, uh, how is it in Mississippi? Like, what is it like? Like, you know, everybody was thinking like, you know, it's so racist and it's so this and that, but I would say like the only thing is just, me, it was just the different parts of where I was, you know, where I was at in Mississippi. So, like him, I mean, uh, even like all throughout middle school, things like that of that nature, all the way up until I got in like ninth grade, where I moved to Atlanta, that was the, like my school was all black. Mm-hmm. Like I had, it was not one white person. I mean, at my school until I went to Georgia, and it was kind of different for me because I went from an all black school to an all white school, and so it's sort of like mm-hmm. sort of like saying, At first, it was kind of a, a, of a shock because I was, you know, I wasn't I wasn't used to it because it was just different, you know. And but <clears throat> I say that now because I mean, as far as. That's why I love football, because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that I mean, it, it. was it's no color. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm out here for you. You're out here for me, you know. And so it was just a different thing. And then, uh, oh, you said time. Well, no, no, <laughs> we 30, we just 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I mean, I just like here in Canada, I mean, everybody's here is It's cool. I mean, I like it. I love it here. I mean, especially in Winnipeg. I mean, referring back to your story, like you were saying, you saw a guy, you picked him up on the side of the road, this and that, you know, helping him, this and that here is like that you can go and be like you can really almost run somebody off the road they would be like hey it's okay you don't have a good day. <laughs> yeah,
1: <not laughs> yeah, <not yet. laughs> yeah,
10: sorry about that yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. pardon so me yeah. pardon me
0: Darvin Adams and Darius yeah. Bowman you'll be able to meet Darius Bowman tonight yeah. at FanFest RBC Convention Center <laughs> player autograph session 5 o'clock thanks for coming to see us guys oh, great man, pleasure thanks, to, thanks to meet so the of you
9: please let's continue this show y'all, yeah. y'all, y'all gotta oh, y'all yeah, y'all we're to take you up on that let's go down the road
10: <laughs> yeah, yes yes
0: The government's plan to legalize marijuana by this summer remains on track. After a tense day of uncertainty over whether the Liberals could garner enough support from independent Senators to defeat a Conservative effort to kill the bill, Bill C-45 passed
1: second reading last night. It's now headed to committee where it is expected to face scathing reviews by Conservative Senators. Since it's not uncommon for some of us to head down south from time to time, you might be wondering... What should Canadians who smoke pot be aware of when crossing the U.S. border? We are joined live now on 680 CJOB by Cassandra Fultz from the Doherty Fultz Immigration, and uh, she's going to tell us what we need to be mindful of. Good morning, Cassandra. Good morning. Thank you for taking some time with us. Um, this is <laughs> well. Listen, um, this is not anything I've ever. Taken in the consumption of Certainly marijuana, not. no, no. I, I, I will uh, Bible or mother's grave, which, whichever people prefer. <laughs> I will uh, stand and deliver on that. Uh, but that doesn't mean I haven't been around people who have done it, and I have okay. been on concert tours, on buses. Uh, I can remember back in 1987 going to see U2 <laughs> in the Twin Cities, and the sheriffs and the border patrol get on, and they ask. And they tell us that they're going to play a little game about how friendly we are with marijuana and assorted drugs. And I can only imagine that game is going to get more interesting as we head head into July and August. Henceforth, uh, from this summer.
11: No, you're you're completely right about that. Um, what I would what I would want to point out is that uh, even though the game is sort of changing here, north of the border south of the border it's still illegal and uh and even though certain states have made medical marijuana legal federally in the united states marijuana use and possession are still illegal okay they're still federal crimes so this is a, a huge issue to be aware of when you're crossing into the u.s
0: so if for example i smoke smoke I smoke weed and I've got some joints in my glove box and I know this going down to the United States that I can't have that. But let's say that I, there's like some leavens or what have you, just some, some, some <laughs> you know, like a, like a cigarette. Often if you have a cigarette, there'd be right. d- tobacco kind of scattered throughout uh, your car, uh, just little pieces of tobacco. So what if you've got little pieces of marijuana in your car, even though you don't have any enough to smoke, if you have it on your car in your
11: car is that
0: enough to get you in trouble
11: oh it's more than enough to get you in trouble um what i would what i would the way i would frame it is that in the u.s like even a seed one marijuana seed can be classified as a plant okay so the laws are completely completely different and it's completely criminalized like in you know this could be you could even be charged with a felony for having done this you could be charged with trafficking for having crossed the border with an illicit substance. It's a horrible, horrible idea. So anyone, like if you're riding to the U.S. border, please check, you know, check the vehicle you're riding in. Make sure that none of your friends have anything on you, don't have anything on your person that's illegal in the United States. It is a horrible, horrible idea, and it can go terribly wrong for you.
1: Border Services likes to play games with other questions as well. They like to, to ask you where where you're from and where you're going and why mm-hmm. you're going uh, to that particular destination. All reasonable questions at the border. But then they'll throw the odd one at you like, when's the last time you were before a judge?
11: hmm And that's a totally reasonable question because what they're trying to ascertain is, is this person criminally inadmissible to the United States? We do the same thing here in Canada. Uh, Canada Border Services Agency grills people in exactly the same manner to determine, are you criminally inadmissible to Canada? So these rules are not new. It's the same thing for Americans entering Canada. They're subject to the same type of inspection. And, for example, uh, on the American side, uh, if if a U.S. citizen has been convicted of a, a DUI, which in many states, it's just a fine. It's like a $200 fine. If they get to the Canadian border, they're inadmissible. They don't get admitted to Canada, and it's a, it's a huge deal. So the same thing for Canadians going to the U.S., they can, uh, they can ask you, and it's, it's not even about having been convicted either. This is something else you need to do mm-hmm. If an officer determines that you have even committed an act which is unlawful in the United States, that is enough to make you criminally inadmissible to the US. And then if that happens, you're going to need what's called a US waiver for the rest of your life. In Canada, there's a permanent fix to criminal inadmissibility, but in the US there is not.
0: So what happens then if you are attempting to cross the border and you get caught with this? Can you be can you be arrested and held or do they just turn you around and boot you back into Canada?
11: It's discretionary. They can definitely arrest you and bring up criminal charges. They can you're definitely going to be detained at the border. Uh, while they decide what to do and uh, and whether or not they're going to prosecute or whether or not they're just going to deport you back to Canada, um, it, it's really discretionary uh, on their part. But uh, what is going to happen, regardless, is that you are going to have a bar from the United States. and if you want to go back, you're going to have to apply for that waiver.
1: So it's not a good idea to even ad- admit, That you do or partake or enjoy the odd drag, the odd uh, hit on a marijuana cigarette on a joint at the border. You're not even going to want to admit to that by the sounds of things.
11: That's definitely not what I'm saying. Because it is never a good idea to lie to the U.S. border guards and misrepresent yourself. That's an even bigger problem. So never, ever, ever lie. But what you do want to do is... Don't look like the type of person who needs to be asked this question.
0: Oh, boy. Um, you know,
11: don't, don't show up to the border looking like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. Um, <laughs> when, you, when you get to the border, like, make sure your car is clean. Make sure there's no marijuana magazines on the passenger seat. Like, don't look like you have uh, bits of weed in your, you know, in your, the creases of your clothes. Like, be respectful, yes or no, sir. Answer questions directly don't look like they even need to ask you this question uh, there aren't any stats on how many times this question has been asked to people but you know it's it's one of the chief concerns at the u.s border but uh you just you don't want to look like it even needs to be an issue with you
0: so what it's you're saying is what so what you're saying issues? is then i shouldn't have a, a package of zigzag rolling papers on my no. dashboard or a marijuana <laughs> leaf sticker on my back uh, my That's rear windshield
11: exactly right i am 100% advocating, do
1: not put that crap in your car. <laughs> <laughs> so, Cassandra, before we let you go here, uh, for those of us that, uh, that that don't partake in these sorts of things, any other mm-hmm. uh, bits of, uh, of wisdom that you could share with us in terms of getting through the border a little bit quickly? I know uh, I always try and make sure we have all our passports out and mm-hmm. open to the picture page. I always make sure that I take my sunglasses off before yes. I get anywhere near Near the border agent booth. Any other <laughs> tips that, that you could give us for a smooth interaction with the folks at Border Services USA style?
11: Well, those are all good ideas. I do just the same as you. So um, I would just make sure that you always keep in mind that no one who is not a U.S. citizen has the right to enter the United States. It is a privilege. And when you pull up to the border, you should keep this in mind when answering the questions. If the questions seem silly or if they don't seem to pertain to you, just be respectful. Answer them directly. And don't get upset. Don't say, why are you asking me this? It's none of your business. Actually, it is their business. Because if someone crosses the border and causes a problem, everyone's going to complain about that. They're going to say, why didn't you do your job? Why did you let this guy in? Why didn't you grill him hard enough? So just... Keep in mind that the U.S. border, like CBP, they have a huge, huge responsibility on their shoulders. And just remember to, you know, be nice.
0: Cassandra, we actually got a good question here from one of our listeners uh, texting us at 204-780-6868. What about people who have medicinal, their medicinal license? Uh, Does that have any effect on, like, are you allowed to cross the border with that?
11: No, no, not at this time, because it's still a federal law. Okay. I know it is under review with this big change coming in Canada. There, you know, We can't proceed this way forever, but for now, this is the way it is. It's the way it's been for quite some time, and nothing has changed. That's what people need to keep in mind, that crossing the border, nothing has changed. You weren't allowed to to cross the border with marijuana yesterday, and you're not today. Okay, so until a federal law comes into place that would make a change to that, it's still the same. So you're, it doesn't matter if, you, you know, if you're allowed to smoke medicinally here in Canada. And like I said, even people in the U.S. who have, who have licenses to smoke medicinally in certain states, they're not allowed to cross and do this in, in, across state lines. They're, you know, And it's, they could still be prosecuted on a federal level. So, no, that doesn't make any, any
1: difference. Cassandra, I have one last question for you before we let you go. Will you come back and join us again sometime?
11: (laughs) It would be my pleasure. I love it.
1: Cassandra
0: Fultz.
11: I like the Winnipeg show. It's fun.
0: (laughs) Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Cassandra Fultz. With Doherty Fultz Immigration, the website is dfimmigration.ca, Innovative Canadian Immigration Consulting.
1: Ah. For yeah. Don't have this cranked as you pull up. You pull out of the duty <laughs> free as you're on your way up to the Pembina the Crossing Station. No. <laughs> <I got>
0: <laughs> <moment still laughs> yeah, you don't want to use the lyrics for the song to answer the question. Why, why. What are we doing? Yeah, because we yeah, got, yeah, got high. All right. Yeah. High. High. That's all the time we have. I'm Brett McGarry. He's Greg Mackling. Thanks to Behind the Glass, Jerry and Chanelle Vidal. And thank you for listening to CJOB. <laughs>